0: This is the Toasted Sister Podcast. I'm Andy Murphy. My guest today is a bassist for this band called Warplague. His name is Vernon Defoe, and he's also a co-chef de cuisine with the Sous Chef team in Minneapolis. In this episode, we'll talk about soups, crust punk line three, and more. But first, a little more downpour from Warplague. Tell me about your role on the sous chef team.
1: Uh, I kind of do a lot of things. I've helped create some of the recipes, you know, I'll I'll help out with anything that's food related, um, whether it's, you know, the boring bureaucracy part or like actually creating the food.
0: I'd like to say congratulations to the team for winning that James Beard Award. Uh, the Cookbook is a beautiful book with lots of great collaboration. Can you tell me about your contributions to the Cookbook?
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm very proud and honored to be part of that. Um, you know, we all worked on stuff. Sean had a lot of ideas, obviously, and we kind of all just kind of fed off him, I guess you could say. Um, a lot of us have similar Ways of thinking, and we just kind of fed off his exploration of it. And the book itself, Beth, Sean, and Dana all worked really hard on it. It took a long time, and I think it showcases what we do very well. I also think that, you know, it holds the integrity of the cultures that we're trying to showcase, also.
0: Tell me about indigenous foods from Minnesota and the Midwest.
1: Traditional and indigenous foods in Minnesota is p- pretty complex. If you think about the landscape, uh, we have the northern part of Minnesota. You know, is uh, pretty much just like Canada and the Canadian tribes. Um, you know, on the um, you know, lots of wild game, nuts, berries, maple sugar in the in the early spring. Uh, fish from the lakes, turtle, beaver, some people ate bear. We also have in southern Minnesota is the beginning of the plains area, western Minnesota too. So, a lot of the things that people ate in the plains area, we also incorporate, and you know, that includes corn and root vegetables and different types of bird and game. Um, Minnesota's got a pretty vast uh, ingredient list I guess you could say um, and I come from the northern part of Wisconsin I'm from Red Cliff, Wisconsin and we're right on the tippy top of Wisconsin which is connected to Lake Superior so uh, there's, we get a lot of the uh, Lake Superior fish in there and um, it was also a big trade route for everybody in the Great Lakes region and specifically Lake Superior. So, um, and then you know we share some of the, the same foods as uh, Minnesota tribes. We're Anishinaabe. So,
0: have you always been so closely connected to your indigenous food?
1: In some ways, I was. I was closely connected to it. Um, my great grandma was kind of the leader of our family. She grew up in uh, Wisconsin, Lacta Flambeau and Bad River specifically, and uh, she married somebody from Red Cliff. So that's my affiliation with that tribe. She would usually make kind of the typical stuff that people did, you know, post-World War II with the commodities, lots of homemade breads and, of course, fry bread, lots of soup. But every once in a while, we get to try some of her traditional cooking fish head soup and turtle soup. I grew up on venison and lake fish, so I was fortunate to have that. And she had recipes for stuff, other stuff too. She even had one for raccoon, (laughs) which I'm not sure if people ate that traditionally, but maybe they did post the reservation eras boarding school eras but as far as going as in depth as i know now that's pretty much stuff that you know we've learned with the sous chef i guess that would be my i would consider that my expansion on my journey on expanding those types of foods and ingredients
0: so when did you start cooking
1: well my introduction into cooking isn't super glorious but it is what it is a home fresh out of high school i got a job Uh, at a Dairy Queen, Uh, I lived in Duluth, Minnesota at the time, they put me on uh, cooking the burgers and the french fries because I was super fast at it, eventually I quit there and got a job at a Tex-Mex restaurant, and then in my early 20s I moved down to Minneapolis and just have been cooking around, Uh, collectively, my, I guess you could say cooking career, I've been cooking for 20 years. Actually, Sean was uh, head chef at a restaurant that I worked at, and that's how we met. Eventually, he left there to start the sous-, the sous chef, and I told him, you know, let me know when you need help. And then eventually, he he needed some help with catering gigs. Then I became one of his first employees. They kind of bled together, so I'm thankful for my, even though I started at Dairy Queen. <laughs> thankful to where that has taken me today i guess
0: how has your understanding of indigenous food changed over time
1: i had no idea how expansive it really is and how much stuff is around like the different flavors and you know the similarities between you know like gin, wild ginger from here you know you could it's you know everyone knows what ginger tastes like and it's It's just amazing the amount of things and flavors and uses that we can use for all these things. Like corn, for instance, you know, so many people use corn so many different ways. Um, And you can do that with a lot of the ingredients. So it's changed a lot.
0: I want to play a song from Warplay called Disease. And before I do that, can you tell me about it and what it means for you and your bandmates to call humans out on their meth?
1: Uh, well, Disease is uh, a song that we did. It's off of a split that we did with one of my idol bands, Axe Grinder. Uh, we did that. came out last year. Pretty much, it's about humans destroying the earth and... Uh, referring to humans as a disease i've seen death and his name is man disease called man that's a lyric from that and then it brings us down to you know here we are today forgotten and forsaken and it refers to everything whether it's war or um pipelines or you know deforesting just basically destroying the earth and everything that ties into it global warming um is the destruction of wildlife, the extinction of people and wildlife, and as far as what it means to us to be calling out humans, in the back of our minds, it's something that we think about every single day, you know, at some point. It's something that we see, and so we wrote a song about it. <laughs> so it means a lot to write a song like that, even though it's in a negative light of humans, but... You have to showcase the dark sides of things as well as the good sides to keep a balance.
0: was disease i love that uh vernon what draws you to this kind of music
1: well i got into punk through metal um i grew up being exposed to metal my uncles used to listen to you know metallica and iron maiden and black sabbath and ozzy or even like van halen in the 80s but it wasn't until i was like 11 or 12 when i really got into like identified with it musically And I always kind of grew up angry. It was pretty easy for me to draw to that and identify with it. A little bit after that, I kind of got into punk after that with some of the earlier punk bands. Like, I don't know, you know, for example, like the Misfits for Exploited. Uh, Those are some bigger punk bands. And then eventually I moved to Minneapolis and there is a really big crust punk scene down here. Crust Punk is more on the political side and ethical side and they're very, I guess you could say, liberal as far as their politics go. You know, singing about women's rights or animal rights or the destruction of the earth uh, you know, anti-George Bush or Ronald Reagan stuff like that and not only that though but I got into punk mostly because Uh, Like metal, for instance, you know It's a pretty broad spectrum of bands But some of them were, I guess you could say, like a crossover Um, There's a band called uh, Napalm Death That I really got into from England And they're, like, also metal um, But they're very political also I just was drawn to that side I like metal and everything, but I just feel like Punk, I guess, was more about real life instead of fantasy stuff, and that's just what I prefer.
0: One thing I know you've been vocal about is the Line 3 pipeline replacement project by Enbridge. Uh, The project was approved last week. Uh, What do you think about that decision?
1: Well, first off, they're not actually replacing it. They are leaving the old one in the ground and building a new one is what they're doing. But as far as logistics go, and like a non-biased perspective, uh, it's already been proven that Minnesota doesn't need the oil increase. Like the amount of oil that we're already getting in is sufficient. Also, Enbridge has said that the original Line 3 that's in place right now can be operated safely. So, And they said they could do that. So I'm not even sure why, you know, just as a, I guess you could say generic overall perspective, why they would want to do this based on just those two things. We don't need more oil, and the pipeline can operate and function according to Enbridge. But beyond that, my I obviously have my own opinion which is i think it's devastating and terrible and a waste for many many reasons that you can think of whether it's water or wild rice or even creating the corridor they're gonna have to build a new corridor which means cutting down more trees disrupting more wildlife and people you know there's a lot of farmers landowners that are against the pipeline too because they're afraid for the same things that native people are as far as the chances of it breaking. And then beyond that, like they have one in the ground now. Eventually, the new one is also going to become like the current one. And then we're going to have two old leaking pipelines in the ground. And it just doesn't make any sense to me at all.
0: How would this pipeline affect indigenous food?
1: Well, um, supposedly they want to move it down south. One section specifically right now it runs through the Leech Lake Reservation. Enbridge proposed a new route for that section, which you can look that all up online. So there's gonna be two pipelines through two major, major wild rice areas. Like the most wild rice in the world is in the US comes from that area. Our area, you know, the northern Minnesota. And then that pipeline goes all the way down to Lake Superior also, which there's a chance that that could leak into that. That's the biggest lake in the world, that lake sustains a lot of things.
0: Do you take your resistance into the kitchen, and what does that look like?
1: Do I take it to the kitchen? Uh, Yes, in several different ways. Um, The sous chef, we've made food for... A lot of honor the earth events, a lot of Winona's events. Uh, we've cooked a lot of dinners for her fundraisers. Uh, we've cooked dinners for many different projects that a lot of water-related ones from all different types of things that people are doing. Whether it's people uh, wanting to cel- celebrate water in, in a spiritual way, or biologists talking about you know wildlife and swamps, or Many, many different things. We've had a, worked with a couple of groups that are helping uh, restore trees to the Mississippi River down here. So a lot of our work, or a lot of the people that bring a, the sous-chef in, the events are usually you know, exactly that, like taking the fight to the kitchen, like you were saying. I also work at a couple other places, and uh, I always... M1 to inform people of things. So,
0: Is there anything you're looking forward to in the future?
1: Well, as far as the, the last little part of my work goes, um, I just got hired on for a part-time job in the summer teaching Native kids how to uh, cook and cooking with them. So I'm really excited to do that. I love working with kids and I think it's really important to for kids to get into the culture early so that they have a better understanding later on and as far as anything to say to listeners, support indigenous artists in any ways, uh, whether it's music or crafts or painting or whatever it is, we need a lot of support also if you're struggling or questioning whether to be something like that, I encourage you to nurture that side of you because it's very fulfilling and Uh, The more perspectives we can get out there about us as people, the better.
0: And you're going on tour with uh, War Plague. Can you tell me about that?
1: As far as things with War Plague goes, um, we're doing this tour starting on the 4th. We're heading out to Denver and coming back and playing shows there on the way back. It's just a little escape. It's the first time I've been on tour with War Plague. We just came out with a Three disc CD discography Of the entire Warplague collection It's a really nice packaging Um And we also have a full length Album called In the Depths coming out On Phobia Records And Organize and Arise Records So lots of good things Coming up with the band Also um that's about it uh thank you for doing this interview and i really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show
0: Thank you for listening to this 35th episode. If you want to support this podcast, head on over to the support page on ToastedSisterPodcast.com. You can purchase a cool black coffee cup there or donate any amount. Your contributions help keep this podcast going. Also, head on over to the Toasted Sister Podcast Facebook page. I uploaded my first video there. It's uh, wild rice with cranberries and pine nuts. The outro song is also by Warplague, it's called Fermentation. Check out Warplague on Bandcamp and on Facebook. They start their tour on July 4th from Des Moines, Iowa.